1: Hello, and welcome to Pregnancy Confidential, Week 36, New Parent Mistakes, how to avoid what you can, and most importantly, accept what you can't. Pregnancy Confidential is a girlfriend-to-girlfriend real talk podcast from the folks at Parents Magazine, where we have your back and bump through all 40 weeks. I'm Dana Points. I'm the editor of Parents.
0: And with me today is Chandra Turner, I'm the executive editor of Parents and I have two kids. And
2: Erica Janes, I'm the digital director of Parents.com and I also have two kids. And
1: Erica and I each have two boys and Chandra has. I got one of each. Nice. That's why I'm stopping right there. (laughs) So let's just say we've made our share of new parent mistakes. I've also made my share of experienced parent mistakes and old parent mistakes and just about every kind you can possibly imagine. I'm sure I make at least one a day, despite my advanced knowledge as the editor of Parents. (laughs) You're going to make mistakes. We're all human. There are going to be bumps in the road. But we'll talk a little bit today about how can we avoid some of them, and you know, cope if if you can't avoid them, and relax, uh, and kind of give in to the wild ride that you're about to embark on, as if pregnancy wasn't wild enough. But first, let's talk a little bit about that that favorite topic we have: how big is your baby? What do you guys got for me today? A honeydew melon. Honeydew. Now, a couple Yum. weeks ago, we had a musk melon. So this, so this must has to be larger. A <laughs> bigger
2: honeydew is bigger. <laughs> a bigger riper melon. Those are the oh.
0: green ones,
1: right? The yep. green melons. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The green melons. Yeah. This sounds nicer, doesn't it? So similarly, green. A head of romaine lettuce. Maybe kale. These oh, days, kale they might be bigger. Right. bigger oh, but than kale, romaine be lettuce, huge. yeah. All
2: right, so Same kale, kale maybe is forty weeks. Maybe you don't go there. Maybe yet. If you're
0: having
1: twins. Right. <laughs> if you want more details about what's going on with your baby this week, not just size but also development and and critical stuff, be sure to sign up for our Pregnancy Daily email at parents.com dot slash Pregnancy Daily, and we'll send you information every
2: day. Families have a lot going on
1: so much to learn. A lot that's completely unpredictable. So it is guaranteed that you are not going to get everything right 100% of the time. And I'm a perfectionist to start with. So, you know, I can remember when I realized I had made some key mistakes that I got kind of frustrated. So let's think about what are some things that can kind of guide our, our listeners through this process.
0: You know, having a kid is a really is an on the job training. No matter how much you read about it, how many podcasts you listen to, it's not until you're doing it and then every kid is different and, like, your friend's kid's different and then your second kid's going to be different than this kid is going to be. And so, you know, you just really kind of have to feel through it and trust your gut. And I know that sometimes, like, when you're exhausted and you're annoyed and frustrated and all those things that come with lack of sleep, it's hard to know what your gut is. But, you know, it's like not talking to the world, talk to your partner, come up with a
1: solution and move through it, but it can be quite challenging. People are gonna to wanna to give you lots of advice about what worked for them about you know, baby sleep and baby feeding and baby bowel movements, and later it'll be toilet training and discipline. I cannot think of an example of a time when I've listened to just my gut as a parent that I've regretted.
2: Yeah, I feel like with my first especially, I wish I had trusted myself more. And I think that's kind of a cliche to say, trust yourself. And when you don't know what you're doing and you really feel like you don't know what you're doing, it's hard to trust yourself. But I have a memory of those first weeks of having a book in one hand, worrying about getting my three-week-old on a schedule, and was I feeding him at the right time? I was writing everything down. I was calling one of my best friends who had had a baby um, months earlier, and she finally just kind of said, relax a little bit. Like, you're not going to mess your baby up right now. Like, you don't need to worry about getting him on a sleep schedule yet. And with my second I nursed him on demand much more I was just a little bit more relaxed and I looked back and kind of just thought I I wish I hadn't been so nervous mm-hmm. and worried about finding the right answer when right. there aren't very many right answers. There are a few things where I think there's a right answer. Right.
1: Like fever, mm-hmm. you know, at at various points in your baby's first weeks the sort of target of what is considered a dangerous mm-hmm. fever will move and so that's a case where You know, baby has a fever, and if it crosses over that line, you really should call the doctor. Or, you know, even if baby has a lower fever but has certain other symptoms, like is lethargic or isn't Mm -hmm. taking food, then you should call the doctor. But those are kind of the absolutes.
2: Yeah, and worrying about calling the doctor. We all sort of worry, oh, my God, it's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm going to bother the doctor And, of course, if it's, oh, my baby has a hangnail, what do I do? Right. That might not be appreciated. But I think as a new mom, they expect that. Right. And And this is why
1: doctors have practices with other doctors, and they bond together. And some poor doctor has to be on call that night for exactly this reason. It's not like that; they're on call every night. So I think we're saying trust your gut.
2: I feel like with my first, I worked so hard to do everything, quote, unquote, right. I didn't nurse him to sleep. I put him in his crib groggy but still awake and spent all this time, you know, slightly rocking him and trying so hard to do all these things different books said. And we were in a one-bedroom apartment and he reached a stage when he could stand up around 10 months or so when we would come into bed and he'd wake up and he'd just start screaming.
0: And whatever good sleep habits we'd instilled at that point were just out the window. I was also in a one-bedroom apartment and... We put my son in the kitchen. Because um, baby doesn't care where baby sleeps. And it was awesome. I don't um, think our crib would have fit in the kitchen. Because it was the pack and play. Um, and so we just rolled it into the kitchen We never seemed to think about moving the baby into a different room. Um, we were moving ourselves into... But it's know, like heart. desperate times call for desperate measures.
1: So a couple other things. You have to get your sleep. So you're going to have to learn to nap. It's such a cliche sleep when the baby sleeps but there's a reason <laughs> it's a cliche it's really helpful if you can steal back a little sleep and then the other thing we didn't we didn't touch on yet but it seems like everybody is telling you that you need to do something or buy something for this baby and you can feel really pressured i mean it starts even when you're registering and you register for stuff that yep. maybe you don't genuinely think you're going to need and especially if you're living in a small place You don't really need all that much in the first weeks with with a baby. Yeah, you don't need it all right away. You know, so you don't need tons of toys and don't feel pressure to, like, get the latest gadget just because you need to get it. Or baby won't go to college. That's silly. You're probably going to hear this from a lot of people, but it goes by those first few weeks or whatever your maternity leave period. You know, it goes by tremendously fast and it's easy to forget after it's gone. So try to really focus it can be very hard because I know I have a tendency to always be thinking about like here's the next thing I have to do or you know what are we going to eat for dinner tonight or how come the dishwasher's not unloaded or whatever just kind of let all that stuff go a bit and enjoy the time that you have with your baby and the kind of corollary or adjunct to that is don't spend too much time on your phone <laughs>
0: Oh, I was um, going to say the exact same yeah. thing. You can get so sucked up in documenting every little minutiae moment of these first few weeks, especially if you are taking a maternity leave in your home. Don't check your email. I mean, when the baby first comes home and you want to read all those congratulations emails from your Facebook posts, like totally cool. But you've got to pull back. Like This is your moment to really focus on this human that you've created. And it's a special bond with you and your partner, too. It's incredible. And it is fleeting. And because you're sleep deprived... You're not going to remember it unless you focus on it. So focus on it and focus on maybe taking pictures, but not necessarily sharing them and waiting for the response from that. Try to make your whole world be in your little family.
1: The other thing about the phone, and I will preach a bit as the editor of Parents here, is that there's such an immense amount of information now on baby's own brain development and language development. And... If you're engaged with your phone or with some other distraction, the likelihood that you're speaking to your baby is reduced. And you've got to talk to that baby even before baby can talk back to you. They need to hear language. They need to see that you're paying attention to them. That's all kind of laying the, the solid foundation for their future language and brain development. So that engagement you know, looking them in the eye, having your own face be engaging, speaking to them in a friendly tone of voice is is really critical.
2: A piece of advice my husband and I got that was helpful to us, especially with our first pregnancy. Some friends of ours at one point told us something along the lines of nothing you say to each other between midnight and 5 a.m. should count. <laughs> and I That's swear good. that saved our marriage.
1: So you got to let it go. And I think that sort of letting it go extends also to conversations that you might have with other parents or with other people in your life who think they have experience or opinions about how you should raise your child. And I think you can kind of quickly shut those down if you need to. But the flip side is you also can't be really judgy when it comes to how other parents are Mm -hmm. living their life. And I mean, the whole baby sleep schedule thing is the one that will probably raise its head first. You know, you'll have other friends or people that you're in a class with or something after your baby's born who are going to have very definite ideas about how to raise that baby. And they might not align with your ideas.
2: I also think sometimes if somebody is saying something that their baby is doing or that their child is doing and maybe they're really excited about it, I don't think it necessarily means they're bragging and is intended to make someone else feel bad. I think sometimes it's just... This is what's going on in my life, and we're in the same mom's group, or we're at this mommy and me class, and so. I I'm going to talk about it. Or maybe just, yes, I am excited that my precocious baby started crawling already. To not necessarily be like, oh, Miss Braggy Pants is, you know. Right. So it's not a competition. Winston is already crawling, apparently. What's wrong with my baby? That's Sir
1: Winston Um, (laughs) too. (laughs) you.
2: You know, but to just be like, oh, that's cool. My baby's not doing that yet.
1: So if you're worried about making mistakes as a new parent, we'd love to hear what, what you're worried about. Maybe we can help. Tweet us at Parents Magazine with the hashtag... Pregnancy Confidential. This week's Relax, You've Got This is about postnatal birth control, what works and what doesn't. You're about to have a baby, so the idea of having another baby may be far from your mind. Research points to the fact that you should wait a full year after you give birth to start trying again. This is to let your body heal and even to replenish some nutrients that your body stores, calcium being one of the big ones, that you need, not just for the growth and health of your future baby, but also for your own health. So this means that you are going to need some birth control, very likely, postpartum. However much you might think like, oh, my hormones, or oh, we're going to not feel like having sex or whatever. Back-to-back pregnancies definitely happen, and they're often unplanned. And so let's talk birth control. Hormones, hormonal birth control methods, generally more effective. But if you're breastfeeding, you will probably want to have a progestin-only contraceptive. So none of the estrogen that's in some of the the hormonal contraceptives. But there are lots of options. There's a progestin-only pill, a mini-pill. Or you can get a progestin-releasing IUD. Those should not impact your milk supply. The IUD, there have been people who have been concerned about IUDs because way, way back decades ago, there were some problems. But the current IUDs are completely different from the ones that were problematic. And it is a super effective form of birth control. And there's the kind that has progestin, but there's also a kind that's copper. It doesn't have any hormones at all. So that's great for nursing moms. And you can usually have that when you're six weeks postpartum. Because of where the IUD goes in, they have to sort of wait till your uterus kind of gets back to size and things are, are settled down a little before they, they give you an IUD. The only thing I will say about about the IUD is they last for quite a while. Seven years, I think, is the, the new guideline. So it's a really long-acting contraceptive. And it's, you know, involves a procedure to put it in and take it out. And so you might not want to have an IUD if you're only thinking about putting like a one-year or two-year gap between your pregnancies, because you're going to go through this process and turn around and, and have it taken out again. So you might want to think of maybe the mini pill or something that you can quit easily and it washes out of your system immediately and you don't even need to go back in to see your doctor to have anything removed. You just stop taking the mini pill when you're ready. And it's so not that you can so comfortable get to have it inserted either. So if you're going
0: to do it, you want it to last. You're right. going to go through that.
1: Erica, what doesn't work? Relying on breastfeeding alone? Mm. Would not recommend that. People do that. They think, oh, as long as I'm breastfeeding, it's going to be like natural birth control. I'm not going to ovulate. I think that is the thinking. Because you don't, you may not have another period.
0: And so you're tricked into thinking Right. Yeah, that you're thinking it's OK. The, it's OK. But that is. But don't, it's not. Don't
1: be fooled, people. Because you can actually have. You can conceive without having had a period. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Get yourself some birth control. <gasps> I mean, and I will say, though, if you're one of those people who is. Not into pills, or if you know you're not going to be diligent about taking it every day, and you think about maybe using a barrier method. One thing, one good thing about pregnancy is you're much more in touch with your body after pregnancy. <laughs> so if you were at all, if you had any difficulty inserting a diaphragm before pregnancy, you probably, oh, yeah, you probably won't have any trouble now. <laughs> but that's a pain. And
2: if you used one before pregnancy, don't use the same one after. Oh you my would god, need to no. get refitted, just like your bra has to be <gasps> refitted. Point.
1: Your shoes. have have to be refitted your diaphragm has to be refitted right that, that could lead to an oopsie baby yeah <laughs> right <laughs> okay so that's it for uh pregnancy confidential for today our producer is sarah Abdurrahman. our engineer is henry Malawski. thanks also to laura mayer and andy bowers at panoply let us know what you think of the show you'll find us on twitter at parents magazine facebook at facebook.com slash parents magazine or instagram at of course parents magazine if you like the show please tell a friend and subscribe to us in itunes or stitcher or whatever app you like don't forget to rate the uh, podcast we like that it helps other people find the show remember you don't have to wait for the next week's episode we have them all available to you right now so you might want to peek around the corner don't hesitate listen to the next episode right now